0: Hey Redeem Family, I'm so glad that you joined us for Redeem Online this week. But first, if you're watching this on Sunday morning, Church in the Park is happening actually this week at Fort Silicon Park, 11 a.m. So if you watch this early enough, please come join us outdoors, bring your own chair. We're gonna be together as a family on a Sunday and we're so excited about that. This week's message though is called All In This Together. All In This Together. And we're on week three of our sermon series called Rebuild. Now this sermon really goes hand in hand with last week's sermon. So if you did not watch it or you didn't listen to it on the podcast, I recommend that you go back and listen to it because this sermon goes right along with it. And so last week we talked about the importance of vision, the importance of vision. When God puts something on your heart to build or rebuild, It's important that we talk about, uh, we're ready to share about the vision that God has put in our hearts. And what does that mean? It means not just talking about what is, but what will be. And also talking about the why as much as the what and the how. Why did God put that in our heart? Now, what's the point in vision, right? What's the point in vision? Well, ultimately, It's because God designed us to do this work together. God designed us to do this work together. So it's pointless to have vision if it's not not ready to share with other people, to bring them along in the vision of what God put on your heart. Now, as we begin, I wanna talk about this thing that I would call the eighth wonder of the world. I don't know how many wonders, I was looking this up actually. It used to be the seven wonders of the world. I think there's like a few more now that are debatable, but let's just call this the eighth wonder of the world. And I wanna talk about this thing called a good old fashioned barn raising. A good old fashioned barn raising. Now, you probably know this because I've talked about it before, but I am Amish by roots. It's weird. I, I have relatives who are Amish, so Amish, and so I have this background of Amish and they have this thing called a barn raising or a frolic or frolic. And so you're probably saying, what is it? Have you ever heard of a barn raising? Well, what it is, is actually this this idea that everyone in the community, men and women, men, men do the work, but women help along the way, they come together and they do the work of raising a barn, of raising a barn. They build a barn. Now, why is this a phenomenon? Well, it's a phenomenon because they do this in one day. In one day, they, they build an entire barn. And here's the thing about Amish, obviously, is they don't use power tools. They have no power tools, but everyone come together. They build full-size barns. Now, I recommend waiting until after the sermon, but go on YouTube and search Amish barn raising because they have multiple people who have filmed these time-lapse and you can see this barn getting built in one day with no power tools whatsoever. Ironically, you know, other people are shooting it because they don't get on film, but you'll see that this barn raising is an incredible phenomenon. These are huge barns, not like the barns in your backyard, so think about that. Now, I like to study these things and with the internet you can really go deep on these, But there's actually two reasons why these barn raisings are important for Amish people. Number one is a barn needs to be built. That's obvious, right? Is that the first reason is that there just is a need for a family to get a barn. But the second one they say is as important and so sociologists have actually studied this. And this idea is that it's as much about the community coming together as the barn. That the Amish actually find joy and find purpose and value in joining together in an important work together. The goal is not just the barn. The goal is socializing. The goal is, is what happens naturally when you come together and you go towards a practical goal. That actually they come together as a community like never before when they go together at a practical goal like building a barn. And it's actually this simple. This is how it works on a Sunday at an Amish church service, someone stands up and they say, I need a barn built and we're gonna have a barn raising. We're gonna have a frolic. They set the date and then everyone in the community comes around that and builds that barn. Now, why do I share that? Well, I often say this and you probably, if you've been around me, you hear this, but it's really important that we understand that the things, that to understand the things in the Bible, there are a couple things that are important for us to realize that that we have to understand their culture to really get to understand it in the modern world. Now the first one, and I talk about this, but I'm not gonna gonna lean on this too hard. The first one is agricultural references. So this is a big thing, that in a world that we've moved uh, more indoors and we've we've moved further from self-reliance on growing our own food, we lose a lot of references in the Bible. But the second one that I wanna talk about and now, focus on a little bit is that we read it through the lens of individualism, which is not the mindset of the people in the story that the story would have had. So we live in this Western mindset, and particularly it's big here at America of individualism is what it would be called. Individualism. Now, this is the principle simply of being independent and self-reliant, and there's a lot of good things and some some difficulties that we have with that, right? So many theories. There's many theories on how we got to this one theory of course is just how we were founded as a country right away from British Rule came in as settlements the other one they some call us the rugged independence right of this frontier mindset that we had as We came over now when you're thinking about this we're thinking about this we're actually increasing in this Mindset we're increasing in this mindset And it's something that's prevalent and something that we have to be aware of when we read the Bible and we look at how God is calling us into mission. Now, there's a lot of good things about this mindset, and I really want to highlight a lot. We put an emphasis on taking care of itself. That's important. We are a hardworking society that really uh, produces a lot and is innovative. We see that we have freedoms that most people don't have around the world. But there are some downsides when we think about living out our faith as well we have become people who are socially isolated right we've become people who are socially isolated we don't believe that we need help we we don't really share well and we we often can think that our time is of our own so just thinking about a couple things actually i was talking to dana about this and and she had a a couple great points she said think about this we don't even go and ask anymore for a cup of sugar would you ever go to your neighbor's house and ask for a cup of sugar anymore? She talked about back in the day, we used to have these recipes, right? She used to have these recipes and the recipes would all be from people in the church, right? And it'd be w- women sharing recipes and then them actually built, doing the, the recipes together. And now it's like allrecipes.com. That's all we focus on, right? And the, second, the third one, we talked about this as a staff. We talked about, you know, it used to be that to figure something out, we would simply call somebody and have a conversation or invite somebody over and help them figure it out. But now if a sink breaks or something breaks within it, we just look at YouTube and we figure it out ourselves. But as you see throughout the Bible, and then to live in the way of Jesus and to follow the calling that God has for each one of us, we're actually called to do this together. And we, see, and we see why, because it's how God designed us to do the work. It's how God designed us to do the work. So my question as we jump into Nehemiah today, if we were to have a good old-fashioned barn raising call at our church this weekend, how many people do you think would come? And a better question for you is this, would you go if you were called? because I really want us to think through this. We need to check our hearts as we think about doing the work together. There's a lot of sacrifices that come in doing the work together. So what does God say about this in Nehemiah and other places in the word? That's what we're gonna dig into. So as we head into Nehemiah three, I wanna look first at this question. Why was Jerusalem so important for Nehemiah and his people? because we're gonna talk about this. Jerusalem is actually mentioned 667 times in the Old Testament and 139 times in the New. And It became the center of Jewish life. You know, it's called the City of David because of its central location, it became the capital of David's tribe of Judah and most uh, northern tribes in Israel. And it becomes the royal seat with David And it's the place that David says to build the temple. And it's the place where the temple is rebuilt. And you'll hear the importance of Jerusalem in, as David writes in Psalm 122, verse one through nine, it says, I rejoice with you, with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statue given to Israel. There stand the throne for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. So as you read Psalm 122, you see the importance of the wall around Jerusalem. Now the temple represents the sacred. This idea that it's a place where the people have access to God. It's a place where the tribes of the Lord can come and praise the name of the Lord, right? And a wall we might think of as secular, but it's actually part of this sacred story. It provides protection against enemies and opposition of the temple. So you see that it provides this protection for people to come in and have access to God. You may not think much about the wall, but it's all sacred and you have to understand that mindset. It would have been all sacred. And so as we dig into Nehemiah 3, we see an important truth. When there is something sacred that needs built, we all play a part in that story. We all play a part in that story. Okay, so Nehemiah 3, I'm actually gonna summarize it a lot because first, I would butcher all the names and two, it's a lot. So uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to open your Bible, real Bible or your a Bible app and I want you to read through that with us as we kind of go through this or by yourself after the sermon. So Nehemiah shares his vision and he assigns different areas of the wall and gates to different people, all right? Different groups of people from different areas with different vocations, meaning it takes all of them to rebuild this wall. By my count, there are 31 next to him, next to thems, after him, or after them, okay? If you read this, you'll see that there's 31 next to hims, next to thems, after him, or after thems. And this is gonna be very important to the story. The first one we see is actually in Nehemiah 3.1, and we won't break down all of these, but I just wanna look at one as an overview. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, uh, brothers the priests, and they built the sheep gate, and they consecrated it and set its doors, and they consecrated it as far as the tower of the hundred as far as the tower of Hananel. Now, who was Eliashib? Eliashib is the grandson of Jeshua, the high priest during the time of Zerubbabel's rebuilding projects of the temple. So he has this line of the high priest. Now, the high priest was the chief of all priests, the chief of all priests, and they would have been the head of the religious sect of the Israelites. He would have been the, the head of the religious sect of the Israelites. Now this is so important, and I want, to hear, I want you to hear this. If you're leading anything, and I want to speak directly to leaders of our church, when the, kingdom is, when the kingdom work is to be done, we have to set the example by stepping up. Leaders, when there's kingdom work that needs to be done, we have to set the example by stepping up. Now, a quick story. I used to, When I was in college, I worked at Starbucks, and I was a shift manager. And so at i always closed because that's when my my schedule worked and so when i closed one of the worst jobs is in any line of work but in in the starbucks was cleaning the bathrooms i hate hated cleaning the bathrooms but as a shift manager when we closed i every time i cleaned the bathrooms that was my big thing i cleaned the bathroom and what i was trying to show is that as a leader there is no work too small or too important to not do and so as leaders we have to step up and do the work and show people this is how we do the work and what we do is we set the example so for me it was cleaning the bathrooms so I knew that everyone knew that I cared about them because I was willing to take the bathrooms but also that I set the example but this is how hard we work as a team and so if you're a leader it's important that we we, we step up it says and it uses this line that uh, that they, they rose up with him and his brothers that he rose up with him and his brothers to do the works. Now they focused on the Sheep Gate. It was located on the northeast corner of the wall, near the, probably no, near the Pool of Bethesda, they said. And the gate probably took its name from the sheep that were brought through it as, as an offering at the altar, at the nearby temple. And so this is another way to show that this wall is all part of the sacred story. It is so important to this sacred story. Now as we move on to the next uh, to all the next to hymns, you will see that all the people involved are doing the works. Just mentioned in this chapter, you have a few, right? You have the men of Jericho, you have the men of Tekoa. you have the men of Gibeon, you have the men of Myzvah. You have go- uh, goldsmiths, perfumers, governors and rulers from the region. You have the uh, inhabitants of Zenoa and a ton of sons, there's a ton of sons of them, tons, tons of sons of them, you can read it yourself. But what we see is everyone is part of doing this work. Now the point, again, is that it's about all of us doing the work, not just the religious leaders. And you see that, it's not just the religious leaders. So I have this question as we transition here, is what is our sacred work? What's your sacred work and my sacred work? And as we look at this, and we've talked a lot about this, of rebuilding the church, post-COVID, in the West where the church is in decline, in one of the least uh, church counties in all of America, Pierce County, that we live in, what about rebuilding the church? And what does this look like? And again, when I talk about rebuilding the church, I am not talking about uh, building and programs and things. I'm talking about the sacred work, and our sacred work, I think, is different than Nehemiah's. We are not called to build a wall. We are now called to build the kingdom. We're now called to build the kingdom. We, too, help people access God and understand God, but for us, it's through teaching them and telling them about a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so as we see this, this uh, as we see that this is a journey that we all do together. And the first place that I want to jump to is in Mark 6, 6 through 13. I've referenced this one before. But the first mission, mission Jesus gives to his disciples, we see that he, they do it together. So Mark 6, 6 through 13. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the 12 to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were their instruction, his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in, in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave the, that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that the people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. We see like Nehemiah, Jesus is calling them to do this in community, together. We each we, we have to be on this mission together, helping one another carry out the purposes that each one of us has on our lives. Now, one of my good friends is uh, this guy named Dave and he's actually an engineer. And he works in just a cubicle world that they do engineer stuff, whatever that is, but engineer stuff. And so he is an engineer and he got this call and this feeling that he wanted to share Jesus with his coworkers. Now, instead of jumping right in and doing the work himself, he began by calling his other believers in in his work, and saying, hey, I want to do a Bible study uh, once a week in the morning, coffee and donuts, and we'll just talk about God and we'll invite others into it, right? As Dave got this call to talk to Jesus, to, about Jesus to his coworkers, he didn't just start right in and do it himself. He called the other believers in his office to join with him. He did this simple thing, a morning Bible study that has grown and reached people because they're doing it together on mission. He brought people together. He had a calling and he brought other believers in and the impact was so much more. And we see this throughout the book of Acts, right? So Acts 2, 44 through 47. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who was in, had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising god and enjoying the favor of all people and the lord added to their number daily those who were being saved and then we see it later in acts 4 32-35 all the believers were in one heart and mind no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own but they shared everything that they had with great powers power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the lord jesus and was so powerfully at work in them all. The mission and the work of the Lord is meant to be done together. It's meant to be done together. And each of us has a part of building the wall. Each of us have a part in building the wall. You know, it's like this tapestry, and I say this a lot. It's this tapestry of all of our stories coming together and rebuilding something sacred. A thriving, Spirit-led church that is increasing in numbers daily of those who are being saved. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's the goal of what we're trying to do. Is how are we a Spirit-led church with all of us doing this. And it says it right here. And the numbers of those being saved were increased daily. That's the mission. Being together on mission. Calling people to repent and testifying of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not about building a wall, it's about building the kingdom. And it's all of us doing our parts. You know, everyone who has (laughs) has different skills coming together from different areas and bringing people into the kingdom. It will take us focusing less on ourselves and focusing more on others, but that's what God is calling us to. And I'm telling you that not only will we see the increase in numbers, but we'll grow deeper as a community and the favor of the Lord will be on us if we go this way. I so desperately, so desperately want to tell the story of a church exploding in this area. I so want to tell the story of how one church stepped up or many churches in this area, because it's not about us, but how the church stepped up In an area that was so unchurched and so against the ways of jesus came in daily increase numbers of people coming to understand and repenting and understanding the resurrection of our lord jesus christ but it's going to be all of us all of us doing our part and i want to tell that story with a bunch of next to thems right i want to tell that story of how Eddie and Kendra through young life impacted hundreds and hundreds of kids and how volunteers from Redeem came alongside them And then next to them, we have Joe Heaney and a bunch of women who volunteered together to go into women's prisons and to share the love of Jesus Christ with women who need it so desperately. And then next to them is Dana and Jason in their their life group, who's so good at doing life together and also just doing the works and going out and reaching their neighbors and their family. And next to them, continuing the story, next to them, next to them, next to them. Because that's how anything is rebuilt. Not each one of us individually trying to do our own thing, but us getting a call from God on what we need to be rebuilt and calling each other to do this together. So let me pray for you on that. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you invite us into this mission, that you have a plan for this world and that we simply join with you and you work with us and through us. And that, Lord, that your spirit, Lord, would you just come and bring your spirit more powerfully to each one of us, Lord? Will you give us individual callings on what you want us to do? And then will you bring people around us to help us carry out that mission? Lord, we simply desire that our friends and our neighbors and our communities would know you because they desperately need you. Lord, would you help us to call them to a a life of repentance and understand that you, you resurrected from the grave Lord, that you so desperately want them to believe in you so that they will be with you forever. Help us never lose that vision that you have on our lives. Lord, will you give us renewed vision and renewed courage? And then, Lord, will you bring the right people into our lives to carry out your mission? We love you with all that we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, we love you. Remember, 24-7 prayer movement. You can sign up at Redeem Church, July 19th through the 25th. We want everyone praying to renew our church, revive our culture through nonstop night and day prayer. So you can sign up for your hour at redeem.church. We love you, and we'll talk to you soon.